0: All right.
1: Uh, I mentioned at the top of the 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 broadcast here, uh, the conference that this this is an event for everyone, right? We've got all assets, we aspects. We've got public companies. We've got traders. We have investors. So we're just we're not just talking to these companies and finding out more about them. We're talking about okay, let's say you find someone you like. How do you approach it, right? How do you think about these small caps? within your larger portfolio? And our next speaker can answer questions like that. Matt Mailey, uh, you've probably seen his name uh, around uh, Benzinga, around financial media. He is with Miller Tabek. He is the author uh, of the Benzinga um, uh, Stock Picks newsletter. Matt, good morning. Welcome. How's it going? Going well. I mean, crazy markets
2: right now. So it keeps everybody on our toes, but... uh... Uh, but it's also a great time to make uh, to make money when you 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 know disruption is is uh, is you know creates opportunities, which is uh, which sometimes can be scary. But if you if you if you know what you're doing and you approach it the right way, you can you can
1: maximize returns both upside and on the on the downside. Uh, that's exactly right. And there's no better time to think about. Uh, you know, portfolio construction uh, and, and allocation than when the VIX is going up. And the VIX is certainly going up. So it's a good, good time to talk to you. So uh, you're going to uh, talk about uh, how to maximize returns uh, through uh, actively positioning yourself in these kinds of companies. So I'll let you go. Take it away.
2: Sounds great. Thanks. Uh, and good morning, everybody. Uh, like I said, it's, it's an incredibly uh, fascinating time in the marketplace. And what I really want to talk about here is, Is one of the things that's so great is that uh, today the individual investor. I mean, back in times when the individual investor really got into the marketplace, especially we saw that in the end of the 1990s when the market turned down, uh, they didn't. There really wasn't much they could do, Uh, and and, you know they didn't have these ETFs and these inverse ETFs. And even though they had the options market, they were they didn't have anywhere near the the uh, the option. You know, anywhere near the. variety of, of ways to play it because they're only good, all um, options back then only uh, expired every every three months now you have weekly options and in some cases on the, on the major indexes like the small cap uh, IWM which is the uh, uh, the Russell 2000 uh, ETF and they expire several times a week so you can really uh, make some plays uh, and protect not just protect yourself but you know to you know be able to, uh, like I say, is is that really maximize those returns? And one of the things I'm going to talk about is that so many times you hear from from Wall Street and say, hey, we you know through these tough times we can really help you, uh, um, you know, kind of wade your way through and protect you. Well, I'm going. That's great, and we want to do that. Uh, but we also want to be able to profit from these 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 uh, 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 volatile times in the marketplace. And there's again, like I said, there's many ways to do it nowadays. And one of the things, just to, to tell you a little bit about who I am and and and, and what you know my experience, on Wall Street is is I, I work at Miller Tabak as, as the as strategist, as well as writing uh, the market letter uh, for ben, Benzinga, the stock pick uh, market letter. Uh, but the my background as a strategist is much different than most of the other people's. Uh, you know, most of them been, were, were analysts or, or economists, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. The, 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 they talk about the fundamental uh, uh of the marketplace that's very very important but many times they concentrate on what should happen rather than what will happen and as i spent i spent 15 years at solomon brothers uh younger people may not have heard of that but if you read liars poker it was you know the most important the the most powerful trading desk on wall street in the 70s 80s and 90s um i was only there in the 80s and 90s uh but uh, and then i moved to merrill lynch which also the biggest trading desk on wall street and uh and and i was covering you know the biggest the trading desk of the biggest mutual fund the biggest hedge funds, uh, et cetera, across the board. And I really learned about you know, what, what really moves the markets because uh, it's very, very important to, to because so, you know, obviously there's a lot of times where the fundamental analysis doesn't work on a short-term basis. Uh, and in fact, and sometimes it gives you the exact wrong reading. And and that's why I try to combine a couple of different areas. So that's why the title of mine is, is, is fundamental analysis versus and technical analysis and how to use them both together to maximize the returns. And one of the things it, it, just just before I when we get into it is just to talk about how you know people just aren't uh, uh, they focus too much. Uh, uh, sorry, that the, the fundamental analysis is very very important, always important on the long side, long term. So, and I just think for those people, we should all have you know a certain amount of, of, of uh, money in a, in a big bucket that is a very long term, maybe three years, five years, or even ten year horizons. But those who have the the desire and the and the ability uh, to trade and be a little bit more active, they can really maximize their returns in a major way, but to only use fundamental analysis is very, very difficult on that short-term trading. You need to be able to combine them both, uh, buy them both. Now, um, the uh, again, I just I just kind of went over that. But the one thing that's very, very important to know is that, you know, the, one of the things on Wall Street we hear all the time, the market is always right. Well, that couldn't be, that's probably the worst old saying on Wall Street. There's a lot of them that are very good, a lot of them that aren't so good. This is one that's not very good. The market is only right, all only always right eventually. Okay. I mean, think about it. Was the market right in 1999 at the top of the, of the bull market in, in the tech stocks? Was it right in, in 2007 at in the top uh, after the, the big housing uh, bubble? And, the, and on the flip side, same thing. Was, was the market right at the lows in 2003? Was the market right in the lows of 2009? No, it had gone too far in the other direction. I mean, and that's where you get the opportunities. If the market was always right, uh, you just might as well just put your money in an index fund and you can never uh, outperform the market at all. Uh, you, it just, but that's the thing is the market is isn't always right, and that's what provides the great opportunities. Um, And one of the things, the basic thing, really important thing I want to talk about is the difference between fundamental analysis and technical analysis. So many people think they're completely different, and they're really not. Uh, Of course, there are major differences. But technical analysis is much more than just a bunch of lines drawn, uh, drawn on, on a chart, on, on a piece of paper, okay? They are fundamentally uh, driven. Uh, so the, um, and, and, and the key thing about that is that when you look at what's going on in the uh, technical analysis in, in the marketplace, think about it for a second. If somebody, if a company has had a tough time, let's say, you know, they've had a tough couple of years, they've been not doing well, their stock is down, Uh, they've had to lay off people, Uh, they've had to close plants, etc. So we know they're going through a tough time. Suddenly, for whatever reason, things turn around. Maybe they've come up with a new product. Maybe they're just the economy has turned around or or their area of, of, of the economy is turning around and things start to get better. Well, what happens? Well, the, the, the managers of those companies, the CEO and all the way you know, through their top management and, and, and in the middle management, they decide, okay, we're going to change. We're going to hire more people. We're going to start new. Uh, we're going to retool our factories. We're going to rebuild a new factory, whatever it happens to be. That takes time. Okay, so, uh, you know, you're not going to see the turnaround in earnings right away. You're not going to see that fundamental turnaround. But, you know, the guys who work for the big mutual funds and the big hedge funds, they have an army of analysts to tell them that they're going to go in and say to the portfolio manager, hey, we've got. Look at this company. They've been going, had a tough time for, for for several years now, but they've turned it around. They're hiring more people. They're retooling their factories. These earnings are going to turn around. It's going to take six or nine months, or maybe even a full year. But don't wait for that to happen. This stock is going to go higher, so they buy it right away. But those of us who don't have those kind of uh, army of analysts, how do we know that that's taking place? We see it through the fundamentals, through, through the tentacles. We see the stock trying to, starting to rise. And uh, that's why we always hear that it, even in the, in the overall market, the market tends to rise six months, uh, It starts to st- bottom six months before we come out of recession. And the market tends to top out 6 months before the the, the uh, we fall into recession and, and again so so the point is that, that these are te- uh, uh, fundamentally based it's not just a, a bunch of uh, lines drawn on 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 a paper but again just a, a little bit of a tutorial here i just want to go over some of the basics on on each each aspect of the marketplace the fundamentals, you know. Of course, the first thing is the overall story. I mean, obviously, you're you're you have already heard some of those today. You're going to hear a lot more. Uh, what the overall basic story is. Uh, on on. I mean, obviously, uh, Amazon. It was like uh, the story there was. Uh, you can buy direct. You don't have to go. You don't have to get in your car and drive somewhere. Uh, and and uh, you'll hear me use the Amazon Amazon uh, example a lot here. Uh, but uh, and also, uh, even though that's not a small cap name, but guess what? It was a small cap stock at one point. Uh, so it, it's. That's what we're trying to do: is buy those stocks that are the small cap names that are going to be the large cap names in a couple of years, and then be the big names ten years from now. We also want to be able to trade uh, and make some money on both sides, both the upside and the downside, going forward. Now, obviously, the first thing is earnings per share, uh, and the, the thing that uh, everybody talks about is that uh, we, 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 okay, well, it's a company A they earned uh, ten million dollars, the company B earns ten million dollars. The stock should be the same way. Well. Not necessarily, because we that's why we look at valuations, a PE ratio, price earnings ratio. Um, because you know, if a stock well, you know, if, if you got a company, if they're both earning ten thousand, ten million dollars a year or both earning a hundred million dollars a year or whatever it may be, if one pers- one company or company A has twice as many shares outstanding as company B. I mean that, therefore, you know, there's going to be more diluted shares, so they're going to be trading at a different price. So that's why we use uh, earnings per share rather than overall earnings, and the valuation level. Same thing. We want to look at the, you know, what what their earnings are. Versus the price—is the stock getting expensive, uh, or is the market getting expensive? And maybe the the, the most important one—you know—we have price to book, the book value of a company, the breakup value of a company. But I like to look at price to sales. For mo- for, for most businesses, that's really really important because you can't play with sales numbers. Uh, earnings, you're, there's things you can jigger and, and, and some taxes implications and things like that to make your earnings look better than they really are. Sales are sales, that's just what they are. Revenues, et cetera, those you can't really play with too much unless you're flat out lying. And uh, that's a whole different story. And that's when you're really get a good for, for valuation. So those, those are the type of things that we, re, we want to look at on a fundamental basis. And of course, the other things we look at, uh, you know, cash levels. I mean, for instance, Apple Computer, again, not a small cap name, but uh, here's a company that back in 1990, I'm sorry, and back in uh, June of 2019, I was talking about, everybody was talking about, they have no innovation left. There's nothing left for this company. They've kind of done their thing. Uh, you know, Steve Jobs is no longer there. Tim Cook can't, isn't as innovative. Well, I said it's like, oh my gosh! You see the amount of cash they put on the free cash flow they have every single month, or certainly every quarter. It's amazing. This should be, should be a, 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 you should be buying the stock with both hands. And sure enough, the stock rallied dramatically. Uh, you know, it did obviously pull back when the when the whole market pulled back during the pandemic, but had a huge rally over the next fifteen months. So that worked out really well. Debt levels is less of a concern right now, but it will be a concern because bear markets aren't over. We will have another bear market. It may not, you know, we've had some, uh, obviously some uh, uh, volatility lately. You know, some people think that's the beginning of a bear market. Uh, I I tend not to think that, um, but I do think there'll be a lot more volatility in the marketplace, but the point is, if and when we do get our next recession, recessions haven't been uh, uh, outlawed either. Uh, those these debt levels are going to be important. So that's another thing that you can try to look at with individual stocks. Now, of course, in small cap stocks, some uh, especially newer companies, they tend to have more debt. That's okay because you are you're, you're buying them for their for their longer term potential, uh, and uh, you know you want to add a little more debt so you can expand your, your business. That's fine. It's the same thing with uh, valuation levels. If you're looking at, at uh, General Electric. I mean, this company's not been around for, it's been around forever. You have a lower, uh, uh, PE ratio that you're willing to to, to get because they, their their upside potential is already known. Uh, you know, if they come up with a, a whiz bang new product, maybe that'll change. But right now, uh, they're, they're pretty much you know going to have a much lower valuation level. Where growth stocks, you know, it's a lot of these technology stocks, some of these healthcare stocks, they're you're willing to pay a higher valuation level for it for the simple reason that they have more upside potential. Their the upside can be limitless at times. Um, obviously, with more you higher valuation, there's more risk. But we know that with the small cap stocks. And then again, you talk about uh, on the fundamental side, you go back to the, just the, the, the basic economic growth, uh, what's going on in the U.S. But of course, nowadays, uh, we care about what's going on in the entire world, uh, because uh, it's just, you know, it's a global economy. It's been a global economy really since World War II. But in the last 10, certainly last 20 years, it has grown exponentially. And so we uh, constantly want to be knowing what's going on in the overall uh, uh, economy. And then finally, it, it's just talk about uh, uh, the correlations. Um, you know, the, 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 we always want to know what is the correlation between, for instance, the dollar. The dollar is, has a big impact on, uh, on the commodity uh, complex. A higher dollar means that uh, commodities get more expensive for the rest of the world because most commodities are traded in dollars. Well, they're, they're, therefore, if the dollar goes up, that's negative for commodities. Uh, same thing with emerging markets because emerging markets are highly uh, uh, dependent on, on commodities for their, for their own economies. Uh, there also have other correlations that I like to look at that are a lot of fun. I mean, uh, for instance, there's this thing called the t- Taiwan uh, um, Plastics Index. And there's a lot of, you know, little, pla- these, these t- uh, semiconductor chips, they have a lot of plastics in them, even though they're tiny little pieces. Uh, and I, I follow that to see, you know, geez, if, that, if that's going up. Uh, if that's going up, that means that there, there's a lot of demand in the semiconductor area. So it's a good uh, situation. You can, it can help you with the overall look on the uh, economy, but also on the sector as, as a whole. Same thing with lumber. We've heard a lot about how lumber prices have taken off lately. One of the best calls I made back in 2018 uh, was when the stock market was getting getting absolutely clobbered because the uh, Everybody was talking about how the uh, the uh, you know th- the Fed was raising rates, therefore housing was going to get crushed, and because and 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 so therefore avoid the housing stocks at, at, at all costs. Well, sure enough, through most of 2018, those stocks did get 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 hit, and rightfully so. But as we got late into the year, I saw that lumber prices, even though the Fed kept raising interest rates, lumber prices had turned around; they were starting to rise. And not only that, the housing stocks. Had started to flatten out while the rest of the market was still falling. So I can start pounding the table, and saying we got to buy these housing stocks and the housing-related stocks because uh, we're, we're number one. I think that you know I, I saw that uh, through some other technical analysis that that interest rates weren't going to go much uh, higher for very long. Number two, we saw the lumber prices were rallying, so that, that so these housing companies were seeing obviously seeing a lot of demand that was picking up and that most people weren't seeing in the overall marketplace. And, you know, theoretically, if you were following only fundamental analysis, um, I'm sorry, if you were following only just the traditional fundamental analysis and not looking at correlations, uh, you, you kind of missed that move, or at least you missed the early part of the move. And, uh, and usually in the early parts of moves, that's when you get the big, big juice. So again, these are a lot of different areas that we talk about on the fundamental analysis. Now, again, I talked about uh, technical analysis and and how it's how it's it is actually fundamentally based. We also want to know that most technicians try to catch capture that middle 70%. And that's good because you'll hear about when you have these breakouts uh and that's a great time to buy a stock or more particularly to add onto a stock. But for some of the stuff that I use um I try to get, you know, you can never get the exact bottom in a stock. You never sell at the exact top. If you do, you're just lucky. Uh, The greatest uh, uh, traders and greatest investors in the world will tell you that they're they're, they're never trying to get uh, the absolute bottom. Um, But uh, uh, so, but we do, again, that that 70% is great. But if you can get the 15% on either side, either buying very near the bottom or or selling at the very near the top, uh, that's when you really get the most juice. I mean, think about it. If you buy a stock at $15, and you wait for that confirmation that's 70% in the middle, and the stock goes to uh, and you don't get that confirmation until the stock gets to 20. But you buy the stock, and it, and it goes, you know, from some let's, let's start a little better. Let's say it starts at 10, it goes to 15, you buy it at 15, great, and it goes to 30, you've doubled your money, you're really, really happy, that's great. But if you bought it at 10, okay, you've tripled your money. And, which is a big difference, and especially on the, when you're in active trading, it's. i say it's, and it's not an easy thing to do. But one of the things, if you follow certain rules and and you and you and you, and you, and you do it on an active basis. It's, it's, it's something that can be done a lot easier than a lot of people think. The long-term people say they can't. The people will only look at fundamental analysis, they're right. You can't you, know, you can't time the market. But if you can combine technical analysis with fundamental analysis, it's a lot easier to do, especially when you use the tools. And I'll just say this uh, now. I'm going to talk about it later. But if you use the analysis on active trading where you always limit your losses, you never take a loss on active trading more than 10%. I like to keep it to the seven to eight percent range. When you, if a, if a short-term trade, even I say short-term, it may be two or three days. It may be two, uh, uh, something you're thinking that will last for a couple of months. You get down to ten percent, get out. Do not double down. Get out. Limit your losses. Let your winners run limit your losses and that's how you really make money if you can because you are gonna have losses the greatest investors in the world have losses they time it wrong or they or they uh, or they just get 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 the, get the story wrong sometimes but the the point is you want to bat if you can bat seven or eight uh, eight hundred uh, rather than just 300 like good batters do today but if you're batting six seven eight hundred uh, most of your uh, ones are wins but not only that your winners go up 10 20 30 50 percent or, or a lot more. It was like well, which we like to do with with my uh, the picks that I use in the Benzinga uh, Stock Pickers uh, uh, newsletter. But if you limit the the you know, so if you have a lot more winners than losers, and your winners run a lot more, than, and your you losers you limit your losses to five to ten percent, you you come out a- ahead. It's just again, it's just portfolio management. Okay, I got uh, lost my track of thought, but let's just talk a little bit again about some of the. Uh, um, The uh, uh, areas of technical analysis, you know, again, this is more to be on an educational side of things. I won't go into it too much because, uh, you know, we could spend hours on it, but I do want to talk about a couple of things that can be very helpful for, for, you know, people who want to be active traders. and uh, so we'll just touch touch on uh, a few of those key ones. Then we'll look at some charts and see how they've worked. Now, I'm going to use some of the charts. I use here today are are, are very generic. I mean, they're actually big cap names, uh, so they're not necessarily. Uh, but it doesn't matter. They're, they're just I'm just using them as examples. They're old charts. They're not ones that we're looking at right now. They're from a couple of months ago. But it gives you an idea of what I'm talking about when I explain each area. Then I will talk about two charts in particular uh, that. Uh, that, that I like here on, in the small cap area. And then maybe if we, if there's time, we can, we can go over some, some, some picks for some, some of the people uh, who, are, who are watching today. Anyway, moving averages, you hear a lot about it on a CNBC and Bloomberg TV and the other financial uh, networks. Um, you know, the 200 day moving averages is, is, is a, a very important one. It's one that people look at because it's about one year of trading. You know, it's, it's, it's actually a little less than one year, but you know, it's 365 days in a year. But if you take out the weekends and holidays, it's a little more than 200 days. And so the 200, day moving average is one that that people really like to look at. Same thing with the 50-day moving average. It's actually a quarter. It's actually a little bit more than a quarter of trading, but one quarter of a year. And so that's what people look at. And then the 20-day moving average is another one. CRI, I wrote... T, uh, DMA, so that obviously stands for day moving average. But a lot of times you'll see it on charts. Whenever you see something where it says DMA, uh, it's it means the uh, day moving average. Sometimes it's EMA, which is exponential uh, moving average. But either way, that's what that, that looks for. But we we like to look at those, those lines because frequently stocks, uh, when they when they, they they use them as support or re- resistance. But once they break those lines, it it it, it ends up being a very big move. And uh, I'll give you a great example here. Here's Bank America. You know, this past year, I turned very bullish on the bank stocks uh, back in September. I'm sorry, back in uh, uh, yeah, late September. And the reason was I really saw the big change in interest rates. You know, everybody had been saying these stocks are cheap. So if you looked at it on a fundamental basis, only on a fundamental basis, you started buying these stocks and you badly underperformed for two and a half years. And I kept saying, no, don't buy these. The, the yield curve is flattening. Uh, the uh, interest rates are going lower. Stay away from this group, even though it's a cheap group. But then it turned, I saw, so on a fundamental basis, I saw a change in the, uh, in, in the way the interest rates were moving. And then I saw things like this. Look at the 200-day moving average for Bank America. Got up here, one, two, four times. It just couldn't break above it. And then when it finally did, and it did so in a meaningful way, it just took off. That's what we look for, and things like that. And by the way, I just want to talk about. Uh, I'll mention it in the next in the next one. I talk about trend lines. That's another thing that's important because obviously, when it, when you break a, a trend line, it's the first sign that a change a, a trend a, a change in trend is taking place. That's when you make the big money. There's nothing wrong with getting a stock that that's. Uh, that's you know gone up a lot and, and, and is going to go a lot further. But when you really make a lot more money is when you get that that, that change in trend, when when, the, when when something has been going down for a long period of time turns to the upside. Or when something is going to the upside, you can get either go short or buy puts in a name when the trend changes. The one thing to note, though, is, is that we need, need to point on any of these things, whether it be a trend line or a uh, – a moving average, or whatever it may, may, may be, you always want to make sure you get a meaningful break. So, for instance, if a, a 200-day moving average on a stock is $50 and it trades at $50.10, that, that, that's not a breakout. That that could easily – if we frequently get head fakes, you get – some of the people, some of the real day traders, the fast money traders, try to push it up and they fail and the thing collapses. So you always want to be sure. I like to see it at least 2% above a key supporter or, or 2% below a key uh, – uh, uh, so, sorry – 2% of below a support level, or 2% above a resistance level uh, to really confirm that, that, that the break is, has taken place. Um, most technicians use 3%. I tend to use 2%. Uh, but again, it's also depending on the stock. You get a stock like Tesla, which has wild swings, you want to see more like 5% change. Uh, and for stocks that aren't very... Uh, um, uh, volatile at all, you can use one and a half to 2%. But I like kind of like 2%. That really kind of gives you the thing. But let's get back to the trend line. You know, again, when you break a trend line, that can really make a big difference. Now, here's the situation here. The 10-year note, the yield, I talked about why I turned bullish on the bank on the uh, the, the bank stocks. Um, but the, uh, uh, well, this was back in here, okay? There was a short-term trend line, which I didn't really draw here. But on a long-term basis, which really told me that we were going to have a that really made me double down on the on the bank stocks and all the financial stocks, uh, was the break of its trend line going back to two thousand eighteen. So it was a two-year trend. But you look at this. See right here. i see where I put the arrow there. It made a head fake. It was only a very slight break. I didn't I didn't double down then. I wanted to see a more meaningful break. Well, sure enough, it became a more meaningful break right here. And guess what happened next? Bang! Interest rates just shot up. Okay, and that's what happened this year. Is interest rate shut up? This again. This this chart was made. Uh, but now this they're back up. It's a basically they've kind of come down. They came down to here, and now they're right back to here at the 1.6 level. Uh, but the point is that when you see a, a material break of a trend line, that's a really good sign that things have changed. And again, it's something where where you know a lot of people turned bullish on on the on the bank stocks early this year. I was able to turn on it in in, in September and get you know before the major confirmation. This gave us the major confirmation, when what people were just Starting to buy the names, we were adding to names that we were already per- purchased. So that's one of the things we really try to look at. One of the biggest things in, in for momentum trading here uh, is uh, higher lows and higher highs, and vice versa: lower lows, and lower highs, uh, lower highs and lower lows. With that, again, that tells you that once you're into a trend, you're looking for that. Can, you know, that kind of uh, confirmation that it's going to continue. And when you see those, it works out really well. I mean, Darden restaurants was one, obviously the restaurant industry got absolutely crushed. And then, but being the March lows, the Stark has it, made a consistent higher high, higher lows. I love the group. I love the group. But I got into here in the beginning of this quarter and I'm starting to get worried. Um, and uh, even though it looked like it was going to make another higher high uh, and sure enough, Yesterday it broke down. Now it's bouncing back a little bit today, but uh, this is its first lower low in a while. And so, and it's I didn't draw the line, but you can see it's broken its trend line going back to uh, March. Uh, So higher highs and higher lows. Suddenly that changed for the first time in over a year. We instead of higher highs, higher lows and higher highs, we got a lower low, and that is a big red. It's a yellow flag. Again, this is only a slight break, um, but it's something that we want to look for. and then the last thing uh, really we get into, and I want to, is because I want to get into some of these small cap names. The relative strength index. You hear a lot about that. You know, it measures the speed and strength of recent moves. Uh, and you know, when you'll see it on the chart, and I'll show you a chart in a second. When it gets above 70, it shows that it's overbought. You'll see a red line there. That means stop buying. And then the below 30, there's a green line. That means yeah, go ahead, go, ahead, go, go, buy some more. Because it, becomes, it means shows it's becoming very oversold. And now again, for some stocks that are more uh, volatile, you want to see it well above 70 to really show that it's overbought and well below 30 to show that it's really oversold. But this can be very, very helpful, especially if you go out a little bit further and look at their weekly charts. Um, Now, Here's one that worked out really, really well for for me just recently. Uh, Look at uh, the RSI chart, the relative strength for Viacom. Well, this was all part of that uh, fiasco with Archegos, the, the family fund or hedge fund that that kept buying the stock, buying the stock. Well, I saw this here and saw, oh my God, usually it just has to get a little above 70, uh, a little above the red line for it to be over, overbought. It got to almost 100, okay? And I came in here, I'm on, on, on our tier three of the Benzingo stock picks. And I said, you've got to get out of the stock. If you own it, get out of it. If you short it, if you can, if not, buy puts. So the, the tier three, I said, buy puts, these things look what it did. It crashed. obviously crashed. We made twenty five hundred percent. Okay, two thousand five hundred percent in just a couple of days buying those puts uh, because this has gotten so ridiculously overbought. Uh, you know, a lot. If you were just looking at the fundamentals, you say, ah, it's getting crazy expensive, and you walked away. But for those who were maybe a little bit more aggressive, going to be more active, uh, they were, we were able to take advantage of that in a really big great way. Same thing in the other direction in Tesla. Now, obviously, uh, this was one where I really pounded the table, uh, and uh, back in June of 2019, look how you know under, you know, look how uh, oversold this stock became at that time. I pounded the table, and of course, the stock went from you know in, here in, in the th- in, you know. In, just above just below $30 and ran to 600. And I didn't turn more cautious in the stock until uh, late last year. So it it worked really, really well for so you can see these things can can really work well. Okay, the last thing I'm just really to talk about on on this whole uh, thing with technical analysis, but all active trading, don't be afraid to pay up when, when something's working for you. In other words, remember I talked about how, uh, geez, I really like the bank stocks. We bought Bank of America and some others at low levels in October. Uh, and then when it broke out in December in the beginning of the year, we doubled down. I was like, well, why? You know, it's too many people say, oh gosh, I, I can't believe I didn't buy more more Bank of America when it was lower and they just let it go. It's like, wait a minute. You are, getting, you are getting confirmation that it is going a lot higher. Okay, buy more. See, so if you buy something at $50, And then you buy more at $60. Okay, great. Well, my average price is now $55. I wish it was... Don't worry about that, okay? You've got a winning trade, okay? It's trading trading at $60, and you own it at $55. You've got a winning trade. Now you can put your stop position at $55. You're almost guaranteed not to lose money. I mean, obviously one night there may be a major catastrophe takes place and and everything goes down and you could lose money, but you are 99.9% of the time. You can't lose money. As soon as it gets to 55, you're out and you're flat on your, on the active part of your portfolio. Okay. If not, it just keeps running and running higher. So don't be afraid. It's the people that get killed are the ones. There's nothing wrong with buying a little bit more when a stock moves a little bit lower, but an active part of your portfolio, if it moves a lot lower, if you buy it at 50, okay. And it goes to 40 and you double down, Okay. Now you've got a stock that's trading at 40 and your average is 45. You are out of the money. You are losing money. So you, I mean, now you just hope that it goes higher. Hope isn't, isn't, not is isn't a trading strategy. You get out of the stock. You, you know, So don't be afraid to pay up for things that are working for you. The uh, professional managers do it all the time they you know sometimes they have no choice because they have more money and more money you' work in a mutual fund money's coming in every day you are adding to the to your favorite stocks because you like them and they're going they're going higher but they don't mind raising their average price because they're getting a bigger position and therefore they'll get a bigger profit as the stock moves up so that's one of the key things for, for trading. Um, so let's just talk about a couple of the the, the individual names here that uh, that I like on the on the small cap area. Here's uh, Synchrony Financial. Now, as you mentioned, as I mentioned, I I'm, I'm very bullish on on the financial sector. So, and one of the reasons that I like this on a fund. So let's combine the two: fundamental analysis and technical analysis. Fundamentals. On the fundamental side of things, these guys, you know, first of all, I like them because I think interest rates are headed higher. That's going to help their net interest margins. Uh, I I think we're in, you know, inflation is going to continue to move up. We'll probably get a breather here soon because a lot of commodities are getting overbought. But, uh, as interest rates go higher and the yield curve goes higher, they're going to make more money. But also on the individual stock. I mean, they've got this great uh, uh, exclusive uh, uh, contract with uh, PayPal to be to do their uh, point of view financing uh, program uh, here in the U.S. So again, th- it's not just a financial, old-fashioned financial bank. Uh, you know, it is something somebody who's working with PayPal, who obviously is on the cusp of a lot of these crypt- crypt- crypto and things. That is going to you know, it, it, they're they're a new wave of the, of the financial area. So I like the financial. I like the fundamental picture so because I like the overall story and I like the, um, uh, and I like the, uh, the fact that the broad picture of interest rates is going to help them. And then on a technical basis again here's a stock that's been making a series of higher highs and higher lows and, you know came down here, didn't make a lower low though it's a great place to buy it. And the stock just has kept on going. Now we know that the 50-day moving average. I mentioned 200-day moving average for Bank America, but for this one, it's the 50-day moving average. Now you can see it dip a little below a couple of times. So if it dips below, I'm not going to be too concerned. But if it dips below, it uh, you know maybe I'll cut back some some of the position there. And if it breaks to a lower low below here in about $38. Then we're going to exit the position. But since we owe it right here, I mean, I can't worry about getting the absolute high. Okay, if it had become very, very overbought like it did here, and we took some profits, then we bought it back when it got down to its 50-day moving average. Okay, that worked out really well for us on this active trading. So it's not just one, one or two plays. You can do it several times. And this is what happened here. The stock got very, very overbought in its RSI chart. We cut the position in half. When it got down to 50. Uh, 50-day moving average. We went back to a full position, and it's moved very, very nicely for us ever since. And we'll continue to plate that blue. It got a little overbought here, but not extremely so. So we're still going to stay with it. Uh, I'm not going to cut back anything yet. If it comes back down to the 50-day, we'll add more. Gets below here, we'll be out with a nice profit. No, we won't. We won't have the maximum profits, uh, but that's okay. Again, and if it gets really overbought, crazy overbought, like we saw with Viacom, we'll, we'll just exit the trade immediately and maybe look to buy it back at much lower levels. Um, Here's another one here. So we talk about, you know, it's funny because I know all the stocks by their, by their uh, symbols. So I don't even pronounce it, but, but, uh, you uh, pronounce an Avalon. Okay. Here's another stock is a great, uh, 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 situation where you can really take advantage of, uh, Uh, the the technical aspects that they're trading with this one. Now let's just talk about, first, I want to talk about what they do. Okay. These guys provide, they're they're basically a cloud-based company that provide uh, cloud-based data for hospitals, of hospitals and physicians. And this is just the future. I mean, we know how, how well, how most people realize how well, if they've been to their doctors, how well this really works. You move across the country, you're on vacation, whatever they can, you, you can, a doctor, if you go to emergency room, the doctor can get the, uh, the kind of information they need very, very quickly. But this is, we're still in the early innings of this move. I mean, these, these guys have 750,000 uh, physicians uh, who, who use their work, 250,000 uh, clinics, uh, clinical institutions that use, that use their stuff. And it's only growing. So this is, this is a part of the future of healthcare and uh, so that's that, that's kind of the story behind it and, um, and and the fundamental story behind the situation on the technical aspects of things so here's a stock again it's been making a series of higher highs and higher lows that's very very good so we like this stock it got a little overbought here but look at what if, if trading this thing actively. Okay, here we go. We started down here. I mean, it, 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 it got oversold. It got down to its, its, its oversold level. We like the stock. We like the story. We bought some stock and it, it, it moved up. It broke back above its 50-day moving average. Look how it stayed above that 50-day moving average for a long time. So we stayed with the stock all the way up there. Then it broke below that 50-day moving average, and we exited the stock. Okay, it came down, it came down. Then it got oversold again. We bought it back. And we then got up to its 50-day moving average. We added to it. And look at it, skyrocket there. A real good move. It got very, very overbought, okay? And we took profits. We didn't sell the whole thing, but took profits. Then again here, it broke below its 50-day moving average. We got out of the name, okay? We didn't take, you know, we didn't sell it all here. It would have been better if we sold it all here. But you you can't, you can't time the market that perfectly. That's where most investors are right. But you can play the thing right. And again, the stock fell out of bed. It got by oversold we bought it back. Again, here is a 50-day, we got a little bit of a head fake there. We bought some, but it would have dropped back below its 50-day moving average. We got out of it. But again, above its 50-day moving average in a more significant way here, we added to the stock and it just it stayed above the 50 all the way again. Same thing. You saw what happened when it broke below, we got out of the stock and we added to it again. We're sticking with it now. If it now, this this week it got back to its 50-day. I'm a little worried about this thing now. We might get out of it. But the point is this this doesn't happen. This doesn't happen with every stock where you can get this many opportunities to buy and sell and short and buy puts and calls. But it is uh, it show you know, not many stocks give you that many opportunities in just two years. But it does show you the, the kind of uh, way that active active investors can really maximize their profit. Now, sure, you did very very well if you bought the stock here where we initially bought it and ran it all the way up to here. Okay, you doubled your money. That's great. But you know you probably you know, but. but but we have gotten a lot more by these blue circles by adding and subtracting. You know, sometimes we sold the whole thing. Usually we just cut it in half and then bought it back as it went back up. That's a great way to, to maximize your money. Um, so that's so oh, just to talk about now. And again, because this is a small cap uh, uh, call, obviously, Is we're looking at the um, uh, the Russell 2000 small cap uh, ETF. It's bouncing back a little bit today. So this was actually as of yesterday's close. Um, but I didn't go over head and shoulders because we could have talked you know, triangles and all sorts of, uh, of other patterns forever. But just be careful here on the uh, IWM. got much below these levels, about two, uh, 209, okay? That's the neckline of what they call head and shoulders. You can see what it, why it's called head and shoulders, head, head, shoulders. This is the neckline. If you break below those lows at about 209, uh, that's going to be negative for this group. And that's where if you want to, you, you can look at the uh, IWM and you can look at the inverse of the, uh, uh, the inverse ETF, or even the two times uh, inverse ETF. You have to be careful for those leveraged ETFs because they're very, very short term. Uh, you don't want to hold those for more than a week. Maybe two at the most because uh, uh, they are leveraged, and so uh, at time the time eats away at them very quickly. But you can make it. You, know, you get a ten percent drop in the in, in the in the Nasdaq. Suddenly you've made twenty percent. You've doubled your, your move. But it's also the inverse ETF. just the single the one times ETF on the IWM uh, is a nice way to, to uh, hedge yourself over a short term basis and make a little money as the market goes down. Then you sell that and then turn it right back into the uh, into the other, other small cap names you like. The uh, right now again it's not getting over it's not oversold uh yet you can see down here with this rsi uh, so we're going to be watching that 209 on the russell 2000 we break below that i'm sorry on the iwm which is the russell two, i wrote two russell 200 that should be russell 2000 i apologize i forgot to put a zero the extra zero on there but it's a russell 2000 index that'll be uh uh, that'll be quite negative, and it's a group that that you, you uh, the area where you you'll, you'll want to step back and uh, look for this for this thing to get oversold more of a than it is right now. And if that happens, then you're going to really be able to uh, step to the plate. And when other people are selling. OK, uh, because they're getting margin calls or just because they panicked, you're going to be the person who knows, geez, I knew this was happening. So I raised a little, a little cash when it broke below that 209 level. And the think it's down here. to this 200 day moving average at 190? Then I, maybe I can add some there. You see how the 200 day provided good support back in September. And then I'll add some there and I can really uh, uh, take advantage of the thing while other people are losing their heads. Well, um, I don't know. I think that kind of runs out of my time allotment. But if there's time for questions, uh, I'd love to do it. But uh, again, you know, look on Benzinga, the stock, Matt Milley stock picker report. Uh, this is something I make two picks uh, every month on a long-term basis, the tier one. I made another four picks for on a more active trading on tier two. Uh, and then uh, the tier three, where we uh, do three calls a week and, and talk a lot, of, a lot more about options and things like that. We're really uh, do some deep dives into where active traders can make a lot of money and, and we've made some really really good, good plays this year not only you know that viacom was a huge play but uh, we made uh several hundred percent in options in in, in apple computer intel uh wells fargo etc and uh, it's worked really well but uh,
1: that's really all i have here uh if there's any
2: questions uh, let me know
1: yeah uh matt thanks a lot uh you know i can't recommend uh matt's newsletter uh, enough and I, one of the things i like about it is you know matt's given you he's given us you know companies that we've heard of right he's given us companies that that, that are thick and, and 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 have liquidity not always for the short term he's given it for the long term as well so so i appreciate that matt there was a question there was a couple questions from the chat i don't know if we'll have time to get to all of them but um your your 10 your loss rule do yes. you do you apply that across the board to to options uh as well or is that just for because options obviously can, can really move on you
2: Right, right. No, I usually tend to be, and again, it depends on the, on the, uh, it's one of the things it's funny on wall street. People say it depends and they, they get sick yeah. and tired of hearing that. But on wall street is a good thing because there's a lot of, it depends is, is actually the right thing to say in many instances. In this yeah. case, it's like in other words, if you buy something today, okay, that's going to expire on Friday or what well, today's bad, but even next Friday, um, you know, ten percent. I mean, you could lose ten percent in, in a blink of an eye. I usually take it to fifty percent uh, on on the options. Um, but again, if it's longer term, longer for out there, I'll, I'll keep it to twenty uh, percent, a little bit lower. But yeah, you definitely want to give yourself more leeway. But this could because you can make a lot more. But also, of course, you need to invest you, you because you make big returns uh you don't have to invest anywhere near as much so you got to be very very careful uh, you know because you, you go in knowing hey i could lose 100 percent of my money uh, but more importantly uh, i could easily lose 50 percent. i'm okay with that if you're comfortable with that uh that's fine but yeah the 10 percent rule yeah. is definitely for for uh when you're just buying the, the stock or shorting the stock uh, outright
1: matt mailey uh is the author of the benzing stock picks newsletter the link should be in chat matt always a pleasure thanks a lot man
2: Thank you. Have a great one and good luck to everybody for the rest of the year. It's going to be a great year for, for investing. All
1: right. And and I, I love that. I love everything that Matt just said and, and how it fits within the broader theme of this conference. Because, again, uh, we're talking about uh, small caps. Matt talked about small caps, but also about large caps. And and what we're really talking about here, if you zoom out to the 10,000-foot level, is it's building a portfolio, right? and you can have a little bit of everything, right? You can have some large caps, you can have some value, you can have some growth, you can have some small caps. Small caps like, like the, uh, the Russell 2000 and like the companies in our conference today uh, have a higher beta, right? Higher volatility, uh, higher probable returns, and also higher probable risk. Uh, and there's room for all of this in a well- diversified portfolio. And I, I can't preach that enough. You probably don't want to have all of your money invested in just small cap healthcare stocks. If, if, that's not diversified. That, that's that's concentrated, right? Uh, there's room for diversity. There's room for these companies in a well-diversified portfolio, large cap, small cap, growth, value, uh, US, international, biotech, industrial, all of it. There's room for all of it. And, and I can't stress that enough. All right.